Welcome to the Football Ramble. Liverpool hit a magnificent seven. There was a humdinger at Old Trafford. Football's the true winner. It's Monday the 21st of December. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushin the Hunter-Raja. It's fair to say that I think football and hopefully the ramble will keep us all smiling over Christmas, boys. What do you reckon? Yeah, I guess we'll do our best, right? Um, I mean, this wasn't a bad start, was it? Like, uh, this is the most fun Man United have been in ages. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe my luck watching that. Like Alex Ferguson was in the in the stadium, wasn't he? And like before the game, I was thinking if he's in there. It seems a waste to not let him do this one, doesn't it? But then it turns out <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Ollie Ollie having that pressure, it kind of because you know, he, he was there a lot at the start, wasn't he? Kind of limits it a bit more now in terms of like when he when he's when he's watching games. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it inspired them. Maybe it inspired Ollie to like just you know. Do you think it's a bit like do you know the first time you try cooking in your parents' kitchen and your mum's over your shoulder <laughs> and she's like, "What are you doing there?" And like, "Well, just leave me alone. I'm cooking." He's like, "Yeah, sure. I wouldn't do that though." <laughs> <laughs> but probably what it's like with Ferguson up in that's, the stands, yeah. That's the worst thing that can happen to someone. When, when you're cooking in the kitchen, you go, all right, you, can you just do this bit for me? And then you end up just going, no, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. No, not like that. Don't yeah. do it that way. <laughs> yeah, or your, mom's like, your dad's not going to eat that, you know. And it's like, oh, fine, fine, you do it, you do it, you take over. I like the idea that football fans across the country you know, in these dark times can be heartened by wins for Liverpool and Manchester yeah. United. <laughs> I know. Really yeah. bringing people together that, yeah. yeah. The, the old guard. It's, uh, it was a it, great performance, though, from United. It wasn't actually, I mean, it wasn't really that bad from Leeds in an attacking sense. They had a lot of chances. There were shots all over the place. I mean, if they'd been a bit more clinical, this could have been like, this. this it could have been a lot less of a kind of drubbing. Um, yeah, yeah. Patrick Bamford should have scored. Jack Harrison late on as well. I mean, Jack Harrison, Harrison, like he missed the chance at six-two in like the eighty-fifth minute, and like he looked just bereft. He looked just absolutely a broken man. It's like at, at this point, that's not going to make any difference. Like, what what is going on there? Yeah, yeah. But it was a little bit like you know you you're going into like um you know. A store's being ransacked, and you're like, "How have I come up with only rice here?" Because <laughs> like, everyone should everyone should have got a piece of something in that game. It was so open. Twenty six shots to seventeen. Yeah, like absolutely ridiculous. And you, I feel like you were about to say, "Oh, it could have been like any scoreline, and it was six two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was a stupid scoreline. Um, but Leeds, they just like. It was pretty naive, right? Which is not what you expect from them or from or from Bielsa because they were they they invited that from United and they are a team that if you give them a lot of space, then they're you know that's where they thrive, you know. Yeah, I, I feel mm. like the timing for this game for United was was absolutely perfect because the way, for example, the way United were playing at the start of the season and the way Leeds played against Liverpool for that first game, mm. you thought right, they're. That those two styles are going to come together and Leeds are going to run through United and run them absolutely ragged. But as time's gone on and, you know, there's been like little nuggets that you can take from Leeds' performances where you think, OK, maybe we have to, maybe you have to go toe-to-toe with Leeds. Maybe you've got to attack them in the way they attack you. And similarly with that time, United have emerged as a, a bit of an attacking force, especially when going back and forth. And that game, which was basically a basketball match, really, yeah, um, it was where you were just like noting when people don't score rather than when they do. Uh, that game was <laughs> yeah, the kind of came at the perfect time for United because they really had to, they had nothing to lose. They you know they knew what Leeds Leeds were going to do. They were lucky that Leeds were pretty wasteful with a few other opportunities, mm. and 
you know, you spend seventy-two million pounds on a on one of the best attacking midfielders in Europe, and um, you know, coupled with a fifty million pound striker. Marcus Rafford, who's single-handedly changing the world, you know, they, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna score some goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was I, I, the start, obviously helped, didn't it? Scott McTominay just just running out. Where did Red Bull didn't he? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the, Where did that come from? Did, did anyone know that he had that in him? No idea. I knew. I knew. He, you know, we know he's a good player. He's probably a very underrated player as well. And I think like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, all right. Fair enough, but I, I think that that Jose Mourinho inventing an award for him thing kind of like hangs over him a little bit, doesn't it? And like I think he's, he's going to take. Credit. I bet Jose is taking credit for that. Performance, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If he's got something to deflect from from his own team, which <laughs> yeah. he has this weekend, he'll probably be talking about nothing else. But um, yeah, Scott conceding twice like that early on, obviously it changes the dynamic of a game, doesn't it? But even it still felt like it still felt like Leeds might in theory get back into it and then no that just that just didn't happen like all throughout the commentary it was like you know people saying oh you just feel like you know this United team this Leeds team anything gonna happen it's like they're 4-1 it's it's not gonna happen (laughs) stop trying to make it happen did you not think a little bit like it was gonna happen not really I did did I actually did. So did I, yeah. I was like, I was like, but it, but it, it, it is United, and they have conceded a few really ropey goals this yeah. season, and it is Leeds, and they can score and come back into games. I, I mean, to be honest, it was one of those where you just thought this is an absolutely bonkers game mm. from the first three minutes with McTominay getting those two early goals, and you just didn't really know where the match was going to go. But I, I think probably. By halftime, you could see that it, it was going to be a United win. But but after the game, um, we thought we'd call up our own Pete Donaldson to get his thoughts. This is what he had to say. <laughs> 69 seconds. Nice. <laughs> He just oh. would, he wouldn't he doesn't want one quiet day in no, his mentions doesn't. does he? Another. <laughs> he doesn't want he doesn't any kind of peace. He's not he's not on board oh, with that. Pete. Yeah, it's at Pete Donaldson. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, sort of going back to what we were saying before before Pete ruined his own week again. Um, <laughs> you're right. I think David Ahea hasn't dropped a bollock in a while, has he? You know, you're thinking maybe that could be how this sort of thing happens, but it just it just kept coming up United. But I think my highlight of the game was. Um, when Martial won the penalty, did a little plank over the ball. Just like, I'll do a little, get a little bit of extra fitness in, just plank for a bit. We're going to get this penalty. Just going to plank on the ball. Why? Weird. Very weird. A lot of also, weird things in that game. Do you, do you not think that that Bruno should have given the pen to McTominay? 100%. It's outrageous what that he did doing? it. No. Uh, you know what? I was also extra annoyed about that because I don't have Bruno in my FPL team and a lot of people do. And him scoring from the spot is just like, oh, come yeah. on. Like, oh, it's just annoying. Give it to McTominay. Let the man have his hat trick. Yeah. I, I, I think McTominay, by then, like, he's a bit of a malign figure at United because he seems to have represented the decline where he would have been a squad player, you know, almost exclusively a squad player six seven years ago but now mm. is someone who is quite integral to to united in midfield you know because of his energy that's why he plays that leeds game alongside fred that's why daniel james gets his start as well and and obviously you know mctominay did brilliantly but no one no one saw that kind of finesse no one saw that that touch to control that second goal mm. after you know getting that through ball from martial letting go through his legs and with his right foot taking a pass defender before putting it in with his left no one really saw that in him. And to be fair, a lot of times when you watch him, you're kind of, he is someone who takes the safe options. But, you know, similarly, he got a license to go through and, you know, he was <laughs> he was extended an invitation by Leeds United's midfield, which wasn't ideal. 
But um, but yeah, he, he used the invasion to go through and and did really quite well. I don't think we'll see that again from him, to be honest. And I don't even know if that's necessarily a bad thing because, you know, a lot of the chat afterwards was about like, oh, um, is this the right way for Leeds United to play? Blah blah blah. But at the same time, I thought. Actually, is it the right way for Manchester United to play? You know, United have been counter-attacking side, or, you know, certainly have vaunted as this counter-attacking side throughout their history, and that's the one thing that, that Solskjaer has been able to put through, that they are engaging going forward. Absolute shambles at the back. Mm. And you kind of think, oh, you know, maybe you should, um, you know, maybe cut off one of the attacking links to shore up midfield. Don't spend that money on Jadon Sancho, for example. And then at the same time, you're like, well... If you're not going to be you good, six two. be fun. You won six two. I don't know what, what like. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not having a. I'm not having a dig. What I'm saying is, it, it's kind of. I I came to a realization during the game. I was like, actually, it's just it's just fun, and it's allowed to be fun. And yeah. if you're not yeah. gonna like, you know, if you're not gonna immediately challenge for honors, you can build a squad, but you can do it in a fun way. Because and the reason I say that is just because the, obviously there's a lot of discussion of leads and whether it's the right thing to do. And you yeah, know, that that was certainly something that. You know, I, I don't know what you think about it, Jules, because like obviously Leeds, well, there's seven points above relegation, so they're not in any immediate trouble. But there was a lot of talk about how sustainable this is going to be, you know, over the course of a 38 game season. Yeah, the tr- the trouble is, is that they've they've now conceded the most goals in the Premier League, and I don't think that at this stage we'd have thought that, considering the teams that are below them and how. I mean, Fulham started the season, West Brom and Sheffield United still haven't won. You'd have expected those teams to have maybe conceded more goals, but it's actually Leeds that have conceded the most and a lot of them from set pieces as well. Look, we've, we talk all the time about how fun Leeds are to watch and, and they're a great team to have in the Premier League because they provide these entertaining games. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of Leeds fans out there that have been so disappointed to have conceded six goals against United, especially in that game, a game that they'd been looking forward to for for such a long time to be back at Old Trafford yeah. and just kind of getting getting battered like that wasn't really how they wanted the game to go. I, I did like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's comment on it, though. He was getting a bit kinky, didn't he? He said, today Leeds got a big spank. A big one. <laughs> <laughs> I love JFH. Kinky Jimmy. He's brilliant, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Really sort of underrated in terms of how good he was as, as a Premier League striker as well, I think. Because um, he was he was there just as Abramovich took over, didn't he? And I think they were like... It almost seemed like the new regime was surprised by how good he was, but he was yeah, he was fantastic. Um, he could spank hard. He could spank hard. Oh, yeah, he? absolutely. Yeah. He could sp- he could spank the hell out of a ball. Um, it's amazing quotes <laughs> all around. Roy Keane was as as box office as you would expect. He said, "I love this." Oh, when he was good. praising Leeds, he said, "To be fair to Leeds, they've got a lot of courage, a lot of stupidity as well." Started moving on to something else. <laughs> it's just like he can't help himself, can he? He's, I don't think he's even putting this on. He's not trying. It's just it, it's just maximum Keane all the time. Did you hear Dave Jones immediately after he said that? He corrected him. He went, you mean naive? <laughs> and he went, oh, yeah, sure, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> naive, stupid. He, he, also, he also said at some point, um, Leeds players and supporters, probably silly of them to think that they were as big as Man United. <laughs> just, <laughs> just get another dig in there. So just, dismissive. Like, but, twist the knife while it's in. Yeah. Yeah. If you do want to have a go at Roy Keane, you can find him on Twitter at Pete Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> It is um, it's genuinely great to have this fixture back in the Premier League. Like, I mean, as a Man United fan, have you, have you missed that, Vish? Because it is like, it is a, it's a tasty one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly over the recent years, the lower the profile, the better um, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. terms of games. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, you know, when they show those those old clips in the build up to it, 
and you remember, you know, the, they were just, I, I know we shouldn't, you know, lord it per se, but it's the fighting, isn't it? Yeah. You just want a bit of the fighting. You want the back. scrapping. You don't want none of this social distance bollocks and, you know, we I'm not, I sound like Roy Keane here. Fight someone, punch them. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it was just kind of a reminder of two teams who were, like, who were at the peak of their powers, really going at each other. And, I mean, some of the clips from Elland Road as well, you know, who knows what's going to be, well, let's say, if you say it's off the table by the time we have this return fixture. But it was a reminder to, uh, like a reminder of, of much better times. And now I feel a bit sad again. So thanks, no, Jim. Sorry, mate. Cheers for that. I, I do do that. <laughs> Well, look, it was it was an amazing game. 6-2 Manchester United beating Leeds. Um, plenty of goals in that one. Lots of good football to watch. Lots of entertainment. On the other hand, uh, we had Spurs nil, Leicester 2, where both teams basically just didn't want the ball at all. Really either of them. bizarre, that, isn't it? So weird. Like, I'd be quite intrigued to watch a game where the team won it by having the least possession because it would be a strange way to tactically approach a game. But that, that appeared to be what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. Really odd, but it's quite a good way of countering this—the way that Spurs play, and mm. it kind of makes sense that Leicester have done this actually pretty well. They did it to Arsenal at the the Emirates this season, in pretty um, pretty dire fashion, if that's the right word. Um, and no doubt people tell me it's not, but because they only—I think it was only the Vardy's goal that was their first shot on goal, something right. like that. Yeah, um, and Arsenal just couldn't react to the fact that they needed to do something, and then conversely. They lost, Leicester lost to West Ham um, at home because West Ham are like, oh no, we don't want it, we want it even less than you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they really struggled. But the um, but I thought Leicester were good value for their win though. And having, you know, having Ndidi back in that midfield is obviously mm. a big difference. And I thought Madison had a, had a great game. Yeah, he did. Um, it was another frustrating offside call for Madison. It's like maybe his arm slightly offside. And I, I feel like that, yeah. that's an annoying one um, that, that should have, stood in a more sensible situation um but you know Jamie Vardy scoring a penalty f- effectively forcing an own goal occasionally you just get a Jamie Vardy wedgie don't you you just get <laughs> you just get wedgied by Jamie Vardy and there's nothing you can do about it it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how well you set up how you play it's just going to happen you're going to yeah you're going to get a noogie and a wedgie and see you later isn't it like a classier wedgie now because like he's not He's not the same kind of Jamie Vardy as old. He's not like constantly sprinting up and down the line. He's a bit. He seems a bit more considered, and obviously that comes with the style of play that Brendan Rodgers is instilling there. So it's a little bit. I don't is know what's a classy, a, a classy wedgie. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think that. what a classy wedgie. Jamie Vardy's classy wedgie. Hmm. Maybe like you know when someone used to pull your tie down really tight. A peanut. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, peanut in. We used to put um, peanut in. We used to put. Um, <laughs> um, two peas in our ties, so you would that it would make it peanut proof. Um, peanut in should come back. Like when when people go back understand. into offices, if you work in an office, right, and you and it's a, it's quite formal when you wear ties, peanut someone as soon as you go back. I just I just feel like we don't do it enough as a society anymore. Were you one of those kids who, if you wore a tie, you'd wear it so like it was really short, really short and fat? Uh, no, I. My I still have my school tie, and it's got it's got burn marks in it. Where um, <laughs> we, we got magnifying glasses and burned holes in our ties, like loads of people did that. Um, so no, I didn't. I didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do the. Uh, I don't think I did the short fat tie thing. Right. 
I used to do the tie and then hide it into my shirt because people would peanut me. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jamie Vardy's Rich, done some peanut in this time. I was a little bit scared of being bullied. Also, like always wearing a Yansport bag with one, only on like one shoulder because if you were on two, people would hold it and drag you down. <laughs> <laughs> School yeah, was, school was school a minefield, right? You yeah. had to be prepared for this you stuff, like didn't you? You, you really did. Yeah, it's like you, it's like you're you're going to school, and every day was a Jamie Vardy day. You got to be on your Completely. toes. Completely, there's Vardys all over the shop. There's <laughs> yeah. loads of them. What, what, so if if Vardy's is that, then what's Serge Aurier? Was Serge Aurier the bully? No, he's a class clown, but he'd always get himself in trouble. Yeah, Serge Aurier. Right. Um, that was a got silly, it. silly penalty to con- concede, wasn't it? Where really? do you, where do you like fall on the on the side with Aurier in that like if you know someone is very good attacking and you know they have their flaws and you buy into one side of it you can't be that annoyed with the other side. I think though it's one of those things where I mean Mourinho even says in the Amazon documentary doesn't he like I'm I'm scared of you because I can see you've given <laughs> away a shit penalty and that's exactly what has happened. <laughs> but exactly surely what happened. surely as a coach you can try and just get that out of get that out of a player because it's a, it's a, it's really silly it's really unnecessary it's it's a it's a flaw that should be coachable and that would be maddening to a coach of, of the quality of Mourinho that i would feel like you know where would, where i would come down on it would be like look you, you we're going to keep the attacking stuff and we're going to get rid of the <laughs> yeah. shit stuff that's that's my job why isn't this working serge weird he's he's quite a streaky player in terms of yeah, in terms of, of that kind of incident isn't yeah. he because he's such an athlete he's an excellent player on his day yeah like he's he gives them something different to um dirty and he does it in a way that i think is he he, he is an extra threat attack, attacking threat for for spurs, spurs more so than bergwijn actually because mm. bergwijn's quite functional whereas Aurea gives them that little bit of flair on that um on that right side but yeah i just I kind of see it in the way that I, I, maybe I see a bit of myself in Serge Aurier in that, like, <laughs> I'll do exercise, but I'm not going to do the dieting. So, like, mm. I wouldn't complain about myself <laughs> putting on weight because, like, just because I do the one good thing, I know the bad thing counteracts that. Yeah. And so, like, I, I'm kind of happy in this stasis, so I can't be upset when things go wrong for me. It's so, like when you bought a healthy <laughs> kind of prep. Um, kind of yogurt thing for breakfast, and then threw it on the floor. And, uh, I, and the I still and morning. I still ate it anyway. You still ate because it anyway. I know yeah, these confirmed. are the decisions and errors that I make, and I've got to live with them. <laughs> yeah. How did that um, dirt taste, by the way? You know what? It's granola, so it all tastes like dirt. Mm. <laughs> true. Not even Very good true. for you, is it, granola? <laughs> well, look, uh, Leicester's win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium means that they are second in the Premier League table. It's amazing. I know we talk all the time on Football Ramble about how unpredictable and crazy this season has been. But you look at Spurs now, they're, they're in fifth. And this week could have been so different for them had they beaten Liverpool and then got a win at home against Leicester. They'd, mm. have, been, they'd have been top, but uh, not to be. But um, that was another one of the matches. Jose Mourinho said it was not a good game. Therefore, that's the most we're going to talk about it for today. Let's move on and talk about Big Sam's return. Aston Villa beating West Brom in the West Midlands derby by three goals to nil. Um it wasn't a good welcome back for Big Sam, was it? Um, on his BBC interview, uh, they asked him, Sam, welcome back. What was it like, your first 90 minutes back in the Premier League? And his response was, not very nice. Yeah, I'm not surprised after Jake Livermore, you know, put his team in that situation. Absolutely unbelievable challenge on Jack Grealish. It was like... Yeah, that was silly, wasn't really it? Really daft. Like proper, like, it looks intentional. You know, you, it, 
do you think he was trying to like step across him to trip him up rather than like go through him? Yeah, I do you know what I mean? Like almost kind of create like a little hurdle that he couldn't get over. Maybe, yeah. I think it's it's, it's an attempt at a tactical foul that's gone wrong and looks. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure he's not actually set out to like try and take his calf off or whatever, uh, but it, it looks bad. <laughs> Through probably some clumsiness, but like they do look removable. His they, yeah, they do look they? like they're I don't know they're stuck on so, in some way, like they're prosthetic. <laughs> you make it sound like they're like the tusks, and people are hunting Jack Grealish for his calves. <laughs> well, that's what Jake Livermore <laughs> seems to be doing. His calves remind me of um, like the bow selector faces. Do you know what I mean? It's like the calf equivalent of those. They could well be stuck on. So maybe Jake Livermore is trying to have a go at them. I don't know. I don't know. But um, it's the last thing Big Sam wants from his captain, isn't it? I can't believe oh. that has happened. Like, you, it you... is. It is it, it's exactly not how he wanted his first game in charge to be. Going down to 10 men, losing 3-0 at home. And now he's got now three matches without his captain. But I, I mean, to be fair to Big Sam, he, he actually has put his foot down with it and said, now's the time for someone else to step up. So... He's come in, he's not even been in the job a week and he's already looking for a new captain. Savage! Yeah, that's absolutely classic textbook Big Sam, isn't it? That's what you're going to get. Um, but, you know, it's difficult circumstances. Villa are good as well. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's, it, he's had what, like 10... Did he even taken a training session? It was barely any time with his feet under the table. So I, I, I don't think we should judge West Brom too harshly on this. I maintain that I think they're going to be they're going to be all right um, with... with, with Allardyce there because they had been playing well. Um, they obviously they hadn't been picking up the points, but it wasn't like they were getting like spanked, dominated, and outplayed. And I think with a bit of time, he might um, he might relegate Arsenal ultimately. <laughs> you know what? I, I like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea of Big Sam now trying to pick his new captain. How, how do you reckon he's going to do it? Hunger Games, the Royal Rumble, something like that? Drinking you know, competition. <laughs> you know the scene <laughs> in um, The Dark Knight where the Joker snaps a pool cue in two and chucks it in the middle of these two blokes he's just captured and mm. makes them fight to the death? I think yeah. that's how he's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to snap a pool cue there, bring out a cigar and then just watch them, watch them go at it. Mm. Yeah, He's quite terrifying though I- because... I mean, that's probably quite a good, if, you know, slightly terrifying tactic of, you know, uncovering new leaders from within your team. Because, yeah. you know, we, we we support teams who've, you know, who've lost um, managers. And every now and again, when a new manager comes in, a new player kind of comes out of nowhere, don't they? And it might be because the previous manager didn't look too fondly on them or the fact that this new manager sees something that the previous one didn't. And I suppose this is quite a good way of like, okay, if if at the most three people come out of this, you know, step out from line and, and want to be the leader, obviously only one of them is going to get the armband. But there you've got two two other people then who might want to step up and, and show themselves, whether that's in the starting 11 or on the training ground. So, you know, it's probably quite a good tactic. Obviously, he's he's making um, the best of a bad situation here, losing Livermore like that. But... Mm. You know, Big Sam's going to Big Sam. It'll, it'll probably go around peanutting everyone. <laughs> whoever can undo their peanut first. Imagine giving Big Sam a wedgie. Oh, God. Oh, I don't, you don't want to do no, that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I, just, I don't even want to think about nice it, to be honest. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. After this, we'll get some of your emails and we'll talk about Liverpool's Magnificent Seven. Wow. 
Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Before we get to some of your correspondence, let's start by seeing how we got on in Betway's 4 to score this weekend. Remember the entry to Betway's 4 to score is completely free each week. Pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly 50 grand jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game and further terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you read all of those. Um, our first game this week was the big one between Man United and Leeds. And Marcus very sensibly picked Anthony Martial, which was a good shout. But of course, the result was Scott McTominay. Surprise goal scorer there. Uh, game two was West Brom against Aston Villa. Andy picked young Connor Gallagher, who's been probably West Brom's best player this season by the goalkeeper, you'd say. And uh, it was a it was a good shout, Andy, but not right. It was El Ghazi for Aston Villa that uh, got the first goal there. And the next two matches yet to be played. Game three, Burnley Wolves is later on. Pedro Neto is who you've picked, Vish, for that one. That's a 5.30 kickoff. And Chelsea against West Ham, London derby tonight. Luke picked Timo Werner to get on the score sheet first. That one is an eight o'clock kickoff. So we'll be back with another round of Betway's four to score on the preview show. And this time, it's this Thursday, because, of course, we're not here on Christmas Day because... It's Christmas, um, so we're going to be doing the Betway's 4 to score preview on Thursday's Football Ramble show on Christmas Eve. Lovely stuff. Right, let's get to your emails. Just email the show at footballramble.com Right now, so Show at footballramble.com to get in touch or remember to tweet us as well at Football Ramble. We love hearing from you. We do, we do. Um, and we love hearing from Alex Eggs. Yeah. That is actually his name. <laughs> oh, um, hi, Ramblers. My dad's behaviour nearly ruined my finest footballing moment when I was at the peak of my career. Age 14, playing in the Epson and Newell Youth League. Playing away at the oh. top of the table, Bookham Colt. I latched onto a loose ball from my right back position and unleashed a piss missile into the top <laughs> corner from 30 yards. Whilst I was celebrating what was my first 11-a-side goal, there was confusion on the touchline as the, as the ref had noticed the linesman had raised his flag as the ball went in. The linesman, of course, was my dad, who had to explain to the oh. referee that there was no infringement, just that he couldn't help but hide his, ju- he couldn't help but hide his jubilation. Had it been a Premier League match, I'm sure VAR would have deemed my teammates socks while I was obscuring the keeper's view. <laughs> so maybe my dad was right to signal, all the best. Alex Epson Eagles, a Hall of Famer. Now, I don't think it. <laughs> I don't think it ruined it. I think that's quite sweet. Yeah, I mean, it like is. it's quite sweet to share that moment with your dad. Although it would be hilarious if the ref just blew. Yeah, uh, just for like, offside. No, offside. Yeah. You've, you've done it now. <laughs> it would give you that little moment of fear though that we see now with VAR when like a goal goes in and players don't quite celebrate. And you imagine that you've you've just launched a piss missile and you can't <laughs> can't be certain about it. But I'm glad the glad the goal stood. Uh, Alex Eggs um, we've got a food theme today with the uh, with the emails because uh, Vincent Rice has been in touch. That's, <laughs> that's not Vincent Rice as well, not Vincent Price. Um, should have been clear. Um, as a newish dad and reflecting upon times where they've acted in 
a way only a father can. I remember a time where I annoyed most of the parents, children and staff at Everton. So I'm going. As a huge Evertonian, my mum worked in an admin position there and there were some key events to meet and greet the players. It was 2005 and the close season. The players were all on the pitch taking photos, signing autographs for all the kids. I was at least 18 at the time and took my very soon-to-be ex-girlfriend there. I got the same question a lot from a few of the players. Are you not too, too old to be here, son? You're a big young fella, aren't you? Said David Moyes. <laughs> I asked Keen Fisherman Tony Hibbert, had he caught anything recently? Without looking at me, he just said, no. Most of the parents congregated in the Gladys Street end, uh, chatting, drinking tea. There were about 200, 300 people, and they watched as there was a chance to take a penalty against Richard the Loft Wright. My, again, soon-to-be ex-girlfriend showered promises of a romantic encounter if I could score past the England International. <laughs> what? what the hell? Uh, I, I waited as the little slugs tried their best to kick the ball straight. Absolutely pathetic. Three turns before my go, Wright, Wright went off to go and sign more photos and re- was replaced by a child. The crowd cheered as he donned the gloves and lived the dream of being a goalie for Everton. Kevin Kilban stepped up and in true fashion rolled it at the lad and he batted it away. The crowd went wild, clapping and cheering. Eventually it was my turn. A lot of people were encouraging our new goalie and Duncan Ferguson was clapping along. He saw the dead look in my eye. Striker to striker. We knew what was going to happen. I stepped up and smashed it into the side netting. Lethal finishing. Oh. A chorus of boos fell down and like a true heel, I completed a knee slide and cupped my ear to the crowd who became rather agitated. A bottle was thrown. <laughs> I heard Ju- Duncan Ferguson I heard Duncan Ferguson, an idol of mine, referred to me as a gobshite. <laughs> I was soon asked to leave. Vincent Rice. What amazing heel work, frankly, isn't it? That's what? how to, how to be a villain. Brilliant. What, how, what, yeah. I, I want to find out. So did the goalkeeper walk away with your girl then as well? Like, <laughs> this, this, yeah. This, oh, this, this is actually torturous to me. I love the amount of times he says my soon-to-be ex. Yeah. So I'm guessing that quite swiftly after this incident she just thought nah fuck off yeah. you can't score past a kid yeah br- i'm gonna break up with you because you humiliated a child <laughs> you've upset duncan ferguson you know how hard that is who's that pale head fisherman over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is deep yeah it's good that he's over it though <laughs> yeah clearly uh love it keep those emails coming into us guys show at footballramble.com um right let's start with Liverpool's seven goals, seven bloody goals at Selhurst Park. I don't think anyone saw... I mean, we know Liverpool are brilliant on their day. When they want to score goals, they they can put seven past anyone. But I don't think anyone was expecting it against Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, no. especially at Selhurst. I think like, I feel with, with Liverpool, because they've had um, a couple of incidents involving Palace in the past where they have a quite strange little kind of mini rivalry going with them like the Cristian Ball and all that as it's referred to when they were 3-0 up and ended up being 3-0 and it had a uh, I wouldn't say cost them the league but had a, had an effect on that I think for Absolutely, Liverpool yeah. to have a good season they do need to like teach Palace a lesson don't they I think it's like a, it's got to be a bit of a marker as a, as a Liverpool fan of players like right just let's not let this slip up let's not have any problems with Palace let's not be silly let's just dispatch them nice and comfortable get it done and that's what they did they were just they were brilliantly brilliantly ruthless and like I think what's interesting now about Liverpool is they seem to be you know not quite perhaps at the heights they were of last season but this this point now they're sort of consolidating their form. They're looking really good. They're looking as good as they've they've looked all season, while others around them are starting to wobble a little bit. And I think that is that's quite kind of telling and and potentially quite scary for the rest of the league as well. Yeah, definitely. There's um, 
you know, we talked about how strange the season is, but the only place where it isn't strange is the very top. I mean, Liverpool, are, they're going to walk it. And like, even with all you the think? injuries. Yeah, because even with the injuries, we were a bit like, oh, you know, obviously Van Dijk's a huge loss. And, you know, they're having to, you know, put Fabinho in defence and you worry about the form of, of everyone else because, you know, even as a collective, they have occasionally relied on the brilliance of one or two players. Um, and then they just pull that out of the bag and smash Palace, and you're like, well, mm. yeah, you you are actually fine, aren't you? Like we we we've just tried to kid ourselves into creating some um, yeah some extra drama with this. They've uh, they've even sorry erased the um, goal difference from the Villa situation. Yeah, yes, yeah, they've cancelled it out. Well, I mean, this weekend, so Liverpool put seven past Palace, having conceded seven against Villa. United put six against Leeds. Having conceded six against Spurs, yeah. So <laughs> we're yeah. carbon neutral now. Yeah. That's is all this, good. Is this is this the weekend where everything kind of made everything go back to normal? I hope not. And, Christmas and now... is cancelled. I know, <laughs> I know. I want it to kind of be a bit bonkers and a bit mad for the rest of the season. Um, did anyone notice how pissed off Mane was about getting? Stuck? Yeah, he was raging, absolutely fuming as well. And like, obviously, everyone was laughing about it after the game. Like, you know, you want your striker to be that that annoyed, but it's like. Surely he knows that, like, it's a compliment, really, isn't it? He's saving his legs. He would smash a penalty in against a kid, wouldn't he? He would. <laughs> he would, he would and he'd take the kid out no, with him. He would. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He'd take the Steal kid someone's you know girlfriend was, as well. <laughs> he was almost as annoyed as I was when I saw Salah benched because mm. I had a bit of a meltdown. I had a meltdown before the FPL deadline, didn't I, Vish? And you, you took the piss out of me a bit. Thanks for that. I didn't, no, no, no. I didn't take the piss out of you. I didn't take the piss out of you. I I responded to you when he came on and scored. <laughs> and I know, but I was like, oh, look, see, you had nothing to worry about. I thought, I'm too I thought scared you of you to take the piss out of you. some weird way. You are? I'm too scared of you to take the piss out of you. You fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> There's a verbal wedgie there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I did have a little bit of um, a stressful morning because I thought. I've just captained Salah. I really need to climb above Luke in the FPL table. And then when he comes on and he still delivers, it's just like the sweetest mm. feeling ever. And, and guess what, Luke, if you're listening, I'm above you in the table now. So oh, have some of that. Big talk. Ha. Um, <laughs> Salah's first goal. There's something beautiful about someone scoring a header from a headed assist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Performing seals almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's, yeah, it feels like um, volleyball, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. In a weird way. Should, they should have done it shirtless, like in Top Gun. That would have been fun. <laughs> um, it's funny you mentioned the, the Palace thing uh, about like having a hoodoo over Liverpool because because that, you know, that um, the way they you know, let go of those, that three-goal lead was so dramatic that it has carried through now, despite the fact that I think this is their sixth consecutive win at Selhurst mm. Park. But still, there there was a sense coming into the game that, well, especially kind of because of the way that Palace had been playing, certainly yeah. like you know Zahar and Eze, who thought like, oh, yeah, it could be could be something here. Yeah, no, seven nil. God, Roy Hodgson will be absolutely hooting about that in, in training. It's like, <laughs> it's... imagine how fast his head will be spinning through sixty. <laughs> Might come oh, off. Oh, bless him. Yeah, he, he wasn't happy, was he? Um, but more for Liverpool to celebrate as well yesterday because Liverpool won Team of the Year at Sports Personality of the Year and Jurgen Klopp also won Coach of the Year. Um, just just even more accolades for the year that they mm. had last season and, and deservedly so, what do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're the only really real contender um, given that, given the kind of 
dazzling way in, it, it, that they did what they did in such trying circumstances. Um, I mean, I say that there might have been teams from other sports I don't care about that were just as deserving, but I don't care about <laughs> them. So well done, Liverpool. Did you see uh, Jordan Henderson when because he, he was one of the nominees for the main award, um, and just yeah. before they cut away from him because obviously they're. You know, because of these times and everyone being socially distanced, they could only have a certain number of people like close together on the stage. And he was there being interviewed. And just before they went to his VT or another VT, you could hear him go, can I go now? Oh. And it felt a bit like he was just, bel- you know, it's, for, for Spotty, it's always a little bit beneath football, isn't it? Because, yeah. You know, because it takes itself far too seriously anyway. And Spotty's not that important in the grand scheme of things. But it was the way he was like, God, can I go home? Is this right? I don't yeah. have to stay here. Yeah. I love, I love the fact that Jurgen Klopp rocked up in a suit, and then like these really white trainers, like they they were just glowing on. Screen. White than his teeth. But I think yeah. best. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Best dressed man though, Marcus Rashford. Whoo, that suit. I know. Yeah, I know, I know. I get that he's doing good things for for kids and and um, you know hunger poverty, but um, that Taylor's doing good work for Marcus Rashford. Hmm. I think he should have got the award. <laughs> he was looking pretty sharp alright more football from the weekend just one more match just to briefly touch on I had to squeeze it in that guy Welbs rescuing a vital point yeah. for Brighton against Sheffield United they were down to 10 men Sheffield United um, they were looking like they were set for their first win of the season but then up he pops when we need him the mm. most that guy Welbs with the equaliser and do you know what Brighton should have won it because you think they always should have won it though this. No, 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 no. But they actually should have because Yahambash hit the bar yeah. in injury time. And it was honestly, it was painful. Oh, it's just like another, it's just another game this season that Brighton fans will go, yep, it was another one of those that we should have won, but didn't. Yeah, actually, I um, I really relate to that. But do you, do you ever have that thing where you <laughs> you can't sleep because there's a word just rolling around in your head over and over again? Yeah, I do get that. It's horrible, isn't it? I had that last night with Yahambash. Like the, the the word kept rolling around my head. I couldn't not think about the word, and not not being able to not think meant I couldn't sleep. So that literally kept me up last night. I don't even support Brighton, so I can't imagine how you felt, Jules. Is it like? Does it? Is it the kind of sensation where it feels like your brain's hiccuping? Yes, that's it's exactly yeah, that. I get that all the time. Yeah, weird. I always think it's a mild aneurysm, but apparently, <laughs> but no, it's fine. It's just a word thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, you know what? What Jim? It's not too long until Brighton face Arsenal oh, again. God. <laughs> Yeah. A relegation Isn't scrappy it? game, Isn't that it? one. I mean, yeah, I mean, Imagine how much of a prick Morpay's going to be then. Oh, God, yeah, of course. Gonna... That, that's got Danny Welbeck late winner written all over it, hasn't oh, it? Because yeah. Danny Welbeck's does, good for that. He's it? good for a big goal. That's, you know, he's, he's dependable like that. Um, and yeah, I can, I, that's going to happen, isn't it? Um, can we talk about the sending off? Because I don't know if I'm a kind yes. of, you know, millennial snowflake or what. But after the game, Chris Wilder was saying that, um, you know, the, the game has changed and sort of, you know, that's maybe a, a bit of an old fashioned challenge. And they, they, you do see those given as red cards now. And the punditry team on Match of the Day too seem to agree with that. But like to me, that is a straight red all day in any era, possibly a jail sentence. Like it's so, it's so dangerous <laughs> that. Like, I know technically he's won the ball, but it's like he's endangering an ankle. That to me is like is a great example of why tackling in particular is a generational thing. It, generational in terms of what people deem acceptable, because none of the tackles in the nineties or you know before that were subject to being slowed down and analysed mm. in the way that we do now. 
So a lot of those players will have made exactly those kind of tackles and have, you know, not be aware of the kind of damage they're actually doing yeah, to another yeah. player and only feel that they're getting the ball and knowing that they're getting a bit of a man, but not knowing how much of a man they're getting and what they're doing to someone's ankle, per se, or their knee. Um, and now when they see it in, in real time, that's how they want to apply it because maybe it's the idea that they don't want to think that, oh, I've done that quite a few times. God, imagine the yeah. number of careers that I've ruined. <laughs> Because of it. But I, I feel like yeah. in real time, it looked terrible. Like it was one of those ones where you hear it and everyone goes, whoa. Again, maybe that's a, that's a modern thing, but it seemed to, it seemed a lot clearer than that to me. But it, again, maybe it's just a sort of a, a generational no. shift. I am with you. I think that the that in slow-mo, as, as we've pointed out several times, tackles always look worse because you, you almost feel that impact more when something's slowed down. You almost feel that kind of like, crushing sound um as it's being played in slow motion but with the Lundstrom tackle it's the angle that his body's at and I think that that's that's the issue with it that that the angle he goes in in at is reckless and it's unnecessary and it should have been ascending off and I understand completely that the game has changed we see that every single match with VAR and handballs and offsides and all of that jazz that we we complain about every week but for this, I, I don't think there's really anything for Chris Wilder to be complaining about there. I think it was the right decision. Mm. Right, let's get on to uh, another interesting story from the weekend. Another manager bites the dust at Watford. Yeah, unbelievable. There is another managerial sacking at Watford in the space of a year. They've now had five managers in the space of just over a year, which is genuinely more not more than the amount of nights out I've had in this last <laughs> 12 months. And I'm not even exaggerating. Um, they've just settled with Cisco Munoz for now. Um, Vladimir Iv- Ivich was the new coach who was appointed at the start of this season. And results-wise, Watford haven't been doing too bad, but the football on the pitch and the style of play has not been pleasing for Watford fans. So he's been under quite a bit of pressure for the last month or so. And they lost 2-0 at the weekend against Huddersfield. And I think they just thought, you know what? Let's do what we do best at Watford and let's sack a manager and bring another one in. And um, so we've now got Cisco. Who, who is this bloke? He's scandalous, Cisco isn't he? Minos. I've He's never heard scandalous. of him. Let me say it again. It is. Ooh, that good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, surely if you're if you're part of the Watford supporters group, you have got to be at this moment just working on some sort of thong song based chant. <laughs> you have to, you 100%. have to be, you have to be. It's your duty. I've got a question here. So, Ivic got sacked after the defeat on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Was he able to leave London after midnight? <laughs> because there's every chance here that the man's yeah. been sacked just before Christmas. He's he's got the news oh, like dear. presumably got it right after full time and just wants to you know just mope about at least for one night and then suddenly switching on his TV as he gets home. Probably won't watch match of the day or no. you know watch what's the highlights. Don't want to do too much football at the moment. Switches on the news and, and just getting told that sorry mate you're stuck here. <laughs> you're stuck in yeah. tier four. Yeah. Unemployed, stuck in tier four. You know, not going to see your family. Have a lovely Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> that's the spirit, yeah. eh, guys? That's the, that's the high to that end on. That is the spirit, isn't it? <laughs> no, I just got worried for him there because I was like, oh, no. That, what a blow. Yeah. What a blow for all of us. I'm sure he him. found a way out. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's, there's probably certain exemptions, isn't there? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's escaped Watford. Don't you worry. But, but Cisco, Munoz, um, this is great, courtesy of Jonathan Wilson on Twitter, 
who said, since October 2014, Watford managers have used every single letter of the alphabet in their names. (laughs) (laughs) I love that someone's taken the time to work that out. Jonathan, you hear us? I mean, Cisco Cisco with an X there is... That's pretty pretty fantastic, isn't it? An X an, an X and a Z. Oh, yeah, he's got both. I was thinking yeah. it was Zola managed Watford, didn't he? But yeah, he's got both here. He, you know what? He might not be a good manager, but he'd be dynamite in Scrabble, wouldn't he? He would. He absolutely Although would. You can't use oh. names in Scrabble, can you? No. God, that's more disappointment oh, today. Oh, man. It's, we it's falling to be apart for now. you, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. Drop Just think about Thong Song again. Yeah. Like, you can't not be sad we... when you're thinking about... Sorry, not be happy when you're thinking about Thong Song. It's a man... Should we just sing a few lines, Vish? No, Should I was going to say, uh, we, uh, Jules and I, and I'm sure, listeners, you do this with your friends, Jules and I had a, had a game of lyric tennis of sound notes over... You know, while we're planning for this show, we were just doing sound notes of Cisco. <laughs> and your singing's actually pretty good. Baby, <laughs> that song! <laughs> See, this is what I love about Thong Song. It's the sincerity of it. It's the earnestness of it. It's a really, if you actually take the tone of the song, it's a really serious song about a man who just really wants to see some thongs, a particular thong. <laughs> he doesn't even necessarily want to see them being worn because he, he, I mean, he describes what it's like when they're worn and what he likes people to do while wearing them. But I, I think there's just an appreciation for the garment itself because... There was a stage when Cisco used to go around um, award shows and just hold up a thong. No, he yeah, didn't. yeah, he did. What? Yeah, so like at the VMAs and things like that, he would always come around and like always he would rock up with like his <laughs> own like, kind of like branded Cisco thong. Yeah, wow, the man's the man's a genius. Well, on that lovely thought, chatting about Cisco and thongs, um, I think we've wrapped up everything we needed to do today. Yeah, pretty much. Before we go, though, um, just a reminder that before we leave you, you can sign up and support us on Patreon from as little as $5 a month. You can listen to ad-free versions of The Ramble, hear Marcus and Andy answer your European football questions on the mailbag, and listen to bonus Ramble On episodes, all in your usual podcast app. So head to patreon.com forward slash football ramble to get involved. And of course, we'll be back with another Football Ramble episode tomorrow to chat about tonight's matches and so much more. Kate, Andy and Jim, you're going to be back tomorrow with those guys to do that. But as it's Christmas week, and I know it's a a little bit of a rubbish time for everyone, but we can still be happy and cheerful. So I'm going to say a Merry Christmas, Jim. Merry Christmas, Jules. And Merry Christmas, Vish. Merry Christmas, Jules. Have fun in your dressing room. Jules has a dressing room (laughs) in the house. Ah! In her house. (laughs) You cheeky bugger. (laughs) Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you tomorrow for some more football ramble fun. That song, the song, song. (laughs) (laughs) This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.